one great idea that we've been trialing recently is something called Think Group to try and counteract group think, uh, which is obviously one of the areas we get a lot of bias and people just reinforcing the predominant ideas that typically comes from one segment of, of, a, of a company. That is to get people anonymously sharing and inputting and you don't know where that idea has come from, but you get the benefit of the cognitive diversity around it. And then that can be pulled out by the people that are actually having to make the decision. On today's show, we tackle the issue with more CEOs being called Dave and Steve than there are women and ethnic minorities put together. That's a bit of a problem when you are looking for a plural and diverse range of thought within an organisation and one that HEFSI and the Equality Group is trying to tackle. This is Tech Talks, your twice weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, sharing interviews and a bit of tech news from across the industry. Uh, on today's show, joining me is Akish. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Good to be back again, actually. It's been a few weeks. Um, well, yeah, I thought I'd give you a week off. Yeah. No, no, no. It's been, it's been good. And um, good to hear some of the other guest hosts as well. And also Jack Pierce. Good to hear him. Um, Popping up. On. Yeah, exactly. Good to hear him back in the uh, headphones. I wouldn't think I would say that, to be fair, after working with him and you just hear him around all the time. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it's good to hear him. And... Uh, Glad he's doing well. It says a lot about isolation if, if you're kind of glad that Jack's back. <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> the smile on my face when I heard his voice walking down the road for my, uh, you know, one bit of yard time. It was, uh, I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, Jack. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. You, you're keeping away from the Zettel, right? I'm I'm keeping well away, mate. That's uh, that's been used. <laughs> that's, that's been used for cleaning nothing but household surfaces and, yeah, and, and places that it needs to be used, not. It's not going in cups of, of tea, coffee, glasses, nothing like that, um, which is ridiculous to be fair. But if if anything, it's just given it make it makes the lockdown even more memorable, I guess. You know, when, you, when you've got mean, a world leader like him just saying that sort of stuff, it's hilarious. There must be times, right, where kind of civil servants and so on, and uh, you know, in this case, obviously virologists have got to deal with politicians, and must be like, oh Christ, here comes this person who's really got no idea, and we're having to brief yeah. them and, and upskill them and whatever else. But sit like that poor woman that uh, expert in her field having to sit there listen to him going oh well i'd be interested in that we should we should have a look at that shouldn't we that that'd be interesting like what yeah i I, it's it's crazy and also i was thinking about these brands right it's not their responsibility to tell people to not drink bleach or disinfectant and suddenly after that press conference they've all come out with statements they've all made like youtube videos saying don't do this please don't and it's like surely they're sat at home watching this going we've never had to do anything like this we've never had to make videos telling people to not drink this because, not drink bleach yeah because a world leader is is, is made this announcement so oh i feel sorry for them to be fair and, and just people you know in general need to yeah just be a bit wiser i think it's ridiculous you know what Uh, As a a segue into today's interview, I think Donald Trump is what happens when you don't have, uh, you know, without that diverse thought and inclusion and bringing ideas together. The antithesis of all of that is Donald Trump and and the, the, the alternative reality. Uh, we will have painted out to us where it's compassionate, hopeful, uh, learning and leadership. As, as painted out by the Equality Group. And, and we're going to switch from something that's truly horrific, like Trump, to something that's far more positive. And then myself and Akish will have some commentary on it afterwards. 
So today we are joined by Hefsi. Hefsi, uh, you are the founder and CEO of uh, Equality Group. How are you today? Good, thank you. Joining well. us on a on a very another bright day. Thank God that the weather is being so kind to us, given the circumstances. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well, good for our mental health, I think. All this sunshine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, God knows what it would have been like if this had started in October. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, very quickly, who are Equality Group? So we're a specialist firm focused on inclusion and diversity for finance and technology companies. And our work spans inclusion in terms of how do you create inclusive cultures? How do you um, really help all your talent, all your team to thrive and reach their fullest potential? And, and a lot of that work involves trying to remove bias from systems and processes. And then on the diversity side, it's all about finding diverse uh, leadership, executive talent, and that's diversity in its broadest sense. So the full demographic spectrum, uh, but also cognitive diversity as well. And where did the idea for the business come from? Because you've According to LinkedIn, the business has been around since September 2018. I dare say mm-hmm. it was probably planned f- since before that date, but it'd just be no- interesting to know what kind of what the genesis was and, w- and what got you here. Yeah, I think uh, it sort of links more to my personal story to begin with. Um, spent some of my childhood in Africa and um, so I'd lived, you know, sort of in different cultural contexts. And then my mom was one of the first women to be ordained into the Church of England, which was a very long sort of feminist campaign. And the church was always behind on every level of diversity, it would seem. And and then both of my parents came out as gay after having had five children. So they had a lovely marriage, but then decided they, they actually they had another chapter of their lives to live. And so I feel like I experienced a lot of diversity and inclusion and exclusion in part of that mm. story. And um, but then my own journey had been sort of going into investment banking, and then I started another search firm, which was purely on um, investment professionals for finance. But Equality Group is a weaving together of my personal story and my professional experience, and so um, it's very, it feels pretty meaningful and significant to be working on this and being able to partner with other leaders and firms that think you're really going to get the best performing team if you get the most diverse team and the most inclusive culture where they can effectively work together you're going to see fantastic levels of innovation creativity and resilience and Mm. i think we need all three of those things even more than ever at this time yeah it's interesting that uh, story about the church of england my dad is transgender and is a vicar so Mm. i have experienced oh we've got so much we could talk about (laughs) yeah we could go in a very different direction with this (laughs) Slamming, slamming the church. Uh, well, not not entirely. Not, well, no, yeah, not exactly. Like I mean, I love the church on many levels, and I think sort of, yeah. sort of real um, community level, you know, support Absolutely. and facilitation. That's a wonderful element that the church brings. What you know, it's lacking at times is a level of open mindedness and um, yeah, inclusion and all the sort of good things that, that we see. And ultimately, that there's a lot of teaching about, but there isn't always the practice. So, yeah. And the same is unfortunately true of many areas of society. I mean, it's interesting that you focused in on finance and technology in particular for a quality group. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, we're aware of the stats around technology, but 
With regards to finance, and this might be completely naive of me, I'd always imagined that finance was possibly slightly more diverse than tech because it can't really get much worse than it is in tech. And maybe that's wrong. Maybe at the leadership level, actually finance is just as bad as tech. Yes, sadly, both industries struggle a lot with diversity. Um, So you're looking at about 15% of senior leadership levels um, with, with women in them. And it's even worse when you think about ethnic minorities only 1% of the asset management industry has a black um, leader within it. And Mm. the stat I always think about, just for actually the state of diversity across industries, is that in the FTSE 100, you have more CEOs called Dave and Steve than you have women and ethnic minorities put together. And I think that just says a lot. I, I always think to myself that when I got called David, my parents showed a complete <laughs> lack of imagination. They say Dave very specifically rather than David. <laughs> so there's something about a David that calls himself Dave. That <laughs> oh, it's awful, isn't it? Um, it's interesting that you talked about um, that you talked about the systems that people are using because obviously we're now in a situation where we're all relying on technology and on systems and new processes are being put in place and new operating models are kind of being experimented and rolled out almost you know, on a day-by-day basis as organizations try and work out what works for them. And I noticed on your website, um, there is, there is a section called Diversity Diaries and, and you have got a, a guide to inclusive remote work working. Mm. It'd be really interesting to know what examples you are seeing where people are beginning to build productive and positive teams despite the challenges where we're not sat next to each other, we can't talk to each other and communication is obviously more challenging. Yeah, I think you're, um, you sort of focused in on one of the key points, which is around communication. And I think you're finding that some teams are communicating more than they used to. Um, and, it, and when you can do that, that's bringing a healthy level of, Um, structure and idea sharing and collaboration. So I think communication is absolutely critical when you can't necessarily take for granted that you're going to see the people you need to see. And so those times to connect and uh, share and brainstorm together have to be put in. And and certainly as a team, we're doing that even more regularly than we used to. We've been remote working actually as a, as a team since we started, but we've been recommending to clients that you over-communicate, not under-communicate at this time and create opportunities for different types of communication. So not just you know a team check-in or the one-on-ones, but do the socials, do the informal times where other conversations and other ideas might come out. So I think, and using different mediums for check-ins, not just relying on one type of tool but having that sort of fluidity of how conversations can, can emerge. So having your Slack or WhatsApp, having your video options, having some other, you know, different formats that you're sharing together. So, Yeah, because yeah. I, I, I can imagine to some users kind of those big Zoom chats where you've got kind of 30, 30 faces on a gallery s- screen would be totally off-putting and really make people kind of reticent to, to kind of put forward good ideas or, or speak up, right? Yeah, abs- absolutely. I think that's that's one one way, uh, probably one directional type of information share that's happening in those formats. And you need to try and create an opportunity that you're getting the mo- more people sharing. I mean, one great idea that 
we've been um, trialing recently is something called Think Group to try and counteract group think, uh, which is obviously one of the areas we get a lot of bias and people just reinforcing the predominant ideas that typically comes from one segment of, of, a, of a company. Um, and that is to get people anonymously sharing and inputting on a Google Doc or any other sort of shared collaborative tool on key areas or you know agendas, anything where sort of new ideas would be welcome, but where it might be hard to necessarily extract them in your typical whatever a video conference or in a, a town hall setting, is to actually send out that information in advance and get people to start inputting to it. And you don't know where that idea has come from, but you get the benefit of the cognitive diversity around it. And then that can be pulled out by the people that are actually having to make the decisions. So I, I like I think there's some there'll be some interesting innovations that come out of this time about how you can harness all the power of your team using different types of tools and really i think it's actually um the the intention is so important if the intention is that you want to hear everyone's ideas then there's probably already tools to facilitate that and i think that's where leadership is critical when it comes to inclusion and diversity if, if the leadership care and they want it there will be a way to get it i think so often the disconnect is happening because there's not there's not a significant enough buy-in at the leadership level so in this period kind of more broader than just communication what what are the yeah. challenges that your consultants sorry that your clients rather are talking about and coming to you with and going hey this is something that we we hadn't really anticipated mm. i think one a big challenge is around just everyone having very different home setups mm. and that you know, so often in these um, companies, people are, you know, talk a little bit about their home setup, but they don't have to talk a lot about it. You know, your shared environment was the office and now everyone's meeting everyone else in their homes. And there are very different demands that are made on people and schools are closed. So children are in their home or people might be caring um, for elderly relatives or families have reunited to look after each other. So yeah. I, I think spending some time thinking about actually what, does the working week look like for individual people and allowing some fluidity and flexibility around that is really important and that everyone's home working setup might not be the same either and i've heard good examples of um you know leaders saying right everyone needs a home working budget to get themselves up to speed or allowing them to have taken some things home from the office that they might need to supplement versus people being told to leave everything in the office and they're not allowed to take any equipment and they sort of need to uh, survive, you know, pretty much on their own. I suppose the other interesting point then would be to know what quick wins there are that you're able to put in place, I suppose, to make sure that the environment is as inclusive and diverse as it as it can be right now. Because mm. um, I, I, don't, I don't really know for sure, but I would, I would imagine your usual suggestions are having to obviously be tailored for for a slightly unusual environment. <laughs> yeah, although I think a lot a lot can be um, applied to this time. One of the main things we would say is about what you're actually looking to promote. When it comes to diversity and inclusion, I think people can often get stuck, and it's sort of understandable because it's often reported on in this way, on the negative side. So when it goes mm. wrong, a harassment case, something hitting the press, you know, that that people have failed 
this is an area that you're going to be caught out on. And actually, it's much better if it can be reframed and looked on as a, a, a business opportunity, a strategic opportunity. So in this context, what what are you trying to promote? What do you want? You want a more open-minded, regularly communicating, inclusive environment where people are able to um, bring themselves to work from their homes, um, share where they're struggling, you know, have a forum for being able to do that, have mentorship and sponsorship continuing through the, this time and those structures in place. So what are the things you're wanting to see happen? Because all the research shows that if you focus on what you want to promote, you're much more likely to get it. Whereas if you're focused on what you're trying to avoid, unfortunately, it's more likely that it will happen. Mm. The negative will happen. So it's, it's, it's almost like, a, as I was saying, a simple intention setting, but from a strategic level, what do we want to see happen and I think helping people to adopt more of a growth mindset at this time would also be extremely powerful. So there's a huge level of uncertainty. People don't have as much control over what's happening. So to view this period as a learning opportunity where we're not going to get everything right, something's going to go wrong, but we are going to be adapting and evolving. And that's positive in itself. And if we can do that together, we're going to come out of it sort of stronger and more resilient as a team. And so I think, again, reframing what's happening now, not as something that's just a complete roadblock and a negative thing that's you know, going to damage productivity, but seeing like, wow, we can actually evolve in new ways that we hadn't anticipated before. What are the opportunities that are available to us? What are the new connections we can make mm. as a team, as individuals? And so so I think that those are some of the quicker wins, but they're also like quite big, reframing conversations that need to be happening at a, a wider organizational level. So it's, it's whether those conversations are happening or not. When I see it, them happening and being framed in the right way, uh, actually, I've been, it's been remarkable hearing some the way some firms' cultures, I think, are going to significantly change this period for, for the better. Just just on that point, as, as, as a kind of a follow-on thought, I mean, you're talking about reframing and culture changing. But going into this, we probably had a fairly clear idea of what minority groups existed in society. But I suppose in these circumstances, this that might shift. Whilst the minority groups were aware of and socio socio demographics who you know don't have as secure access to the internet, etc., we're kind of aware of. I suppose there might be new vulnerable groups where coming into a shared office was a safe place that they could work, but now they're at home, and it's not even so much that they don't have a home set up; they are. Uh, just in difficult working situations. Maybe they're living with people that they don't know particularly well or they're far mm. from home and therefore their mental situation uh, or their mental health rather could be, could be affected by it. Is that, is that something that organisations are actively being a little bit more aware of? Yeah, I think they, they are. It's something that we cover in the guide as well about mental health and well-being and the importance of really uh, paying attention to that and thinking that through for your team, providing resources, um, encouraging do meditation, um, good boundaries and time management on the days so that people, you know, self-care is so important at these times. And you're thinking about who could actually be lonely in your team because they are going to be more isolated than others if they don't have a have family um, nearby or in the home with them. So I think it's it's spending the time really understanding um, individual needs um, and differences. And again, that's coming out of conversations and communication and making the time for that and prioritizing that because you know if you 
do it, you're going to get the benefits of this more inclusive, connected working environment. And that will stand the test of time. That will continue out of this current period. Looking to the future, uh, what what are the plans um, for equality group for the equality group? Because right now, I suppose you've had to completely rethink what your goals and aims are for this year because everybody's business plans have been thrown up into the air. Mm. Yeah, I mean, thankfully we've got some great ongoing client work, but I think what we're really thinking about is the need for more inclusive leadership at a time like this. I think when you look at how this crisis is being navigated by different countries, it's very notable to see which countries are going are actually coming out of this almost and have managed it well. There's a lot of female leaders in place in those countries, whether it's mm. you know, Angela Merkel in Germany, Jacinda um, Ardern. Jacinda Ardern in New Zealand. Mm. And I think the way that they've gone about it, um, they've been very decisive, they've communicated well, they've been very collaborative, they've spoken to every part of society. And um, they inspire hope, not fear. It's it's not just about it being um, men versus women. We need more women in leadership. It's about having the feminine traits and qualities um, that mean you collaborate, that you nurture, that you're actually trying to bring the best out in people at times like this, that we need to see more of, not just globally for political leaders, but for leadership within business and especially within finance and technology, that's going to help our industries recover and come out stronger if we see more of that type of leadership at this time. So that's a big, big focus for what we're doing at Equality Group. Well, let's hope that people take that positive message to heart. Um, thank you for your time today. And uh, fingers crossed, we, we are more positive about this and we're, we're out of the whole situation sooner, sooner rather than later. So there are more CEOs called Dave and Steve than there are women and ethnic minorities put together. If any stat brings it to life, it's that, right? It's, yeah. That's, um, so, do you know what? I've heard that a few times. And every time I hear that stat or, or hear about that, I just get more and more astounded, really. And and it, it's if only people that are hearing this could see what you were just doing. You just had your head in your hands. Like I I do that all the time. Um, and it's ridiculous. It's and specifically it's across the FTSE 100. And you know these are, are global players within the world economy and and mm. people that you know, in some way, shape, or form determine a lot of our livelihoods, a lot of our you know kind of ways of of living. And it just goes to show that. Uh, there isn't being that much of a diverse kind of spectrum to to choose from. I don't, I don't know if it's a selection. I don't know if it's a selection thing. I don't. I don't know if it's a you know uh, a thing that that companies are doing on purpose where they're not allowing ethnic minorities or females or you know people of of different origin to to kind of take the reins um, in organisations, mm. but that's something that needs to be addressed is because that's ridiculous. I think, you know, I mean, apart from the fact that I, I, when Hefsey made the comment about people who choose to call themselves Dave, I just did a quick check on most things. I am David. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I'm not calling myself Dave. I felt suddenly self-conscious about that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But but aside from that, um, 
I suppose it kind of tied into those those comments that she made that I thought were really quite revealing around creating opportunities for sharing. So think groups, counter group think, anonymously sharing on key areas and agendas uh, where new ideas are welcome. And um, yeah, that cognitive diversity and showing that the leadership is bought into it. I suppose if you don't have a leadership that is bought into it, you end up with Dave or Steve running your organization. Not to say that Dave can't run your organization, but yeah. it's 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 that awareness and that acceptance that you need to nurture as many different views and voices, even if they might be dissenting voices at times, uh, and add them to your dialogue to create a stronger organization. Yeah, 100%. And I think I think it's just having the tolerance, right? Um, yeah. The, the, the thing, you know, the thing that um, was mentioned in the interview was about, you know, this needs sponsorship from the leadership, leadership mm. level or, or the board or whoever the, the most kind of senior heads are within the business. It's not, diversity and inclusion isn't like uh, just a project that you run for some sort of, you know, new technology or a transformation or some sort of change initiative that, you know, can require pockets of sponsorship and then you can filter that through the business. Um, this, I, in my opinion, being an ethnic minority, I think it, it definitely it definitely needs to come from from the absolute top. Now, where I think organizations struggle is, but it's always a tricky one, right, Dave? Because I'm not saying that organizations that have a lack of diversity are racists. That's, that's no. not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that they are, you know, kind of organizations that don't tolerate those that are female or those that are of a different ethnic background or whatever. But what I'm saying is that they're broad, their horizons just need to get broadened a little bit where they understand that people that come from a different background, different culture different orientation can still have ideas that will help their business succeed do you get what i mean yeah absolutely i suppose the link is that if you are at an organization that is led by dave or steve and dave and steve uh, dave or steve are not interested in what you have to say chances are you're going to move on from that organization and find somewhere else that does appreciate and welcome your views Mm. an organization that is open to those ideas and those conversations is more likely, I suppose, to have a diverse and inclusive boardroom and leadership team and therefore greater representation at the top uh, than, than the current stats suggest. Yeah. So, Yeah. And, and also I think, I think these FTSE 100 companies, I mean, they're, they must be catering to customers across the world, right? Or they are catering mm-hmm. to customers across the world. Otherwise you wouldn't be classed as, as one of those anyways. But the, so I find it, I find it amazing how they, you know, the lack of diversity within the organization is catering for a diverse, like, like a diverse world, basically. Mm. Do, do, do you get what I mean? I mean, how Dave and Steve or, or whatever names, let's say X, how X can know what will work in the emerging markets in India and Africa, and then also what will work in, you know, a, a, a fully matured market like the US or, you know, Europe or, or the UK. Do, do you get what I mean? So I, I yeah, just yeah. Think, I think they need to open their their kind of horizons to having different uh, forms of of opinions or different ideas. Um, but also at the same time, I I also think that, and and I might be alone here, or I don't know what what the people that will listen to this podcast will think. I sometimes think that as ethnic minorities, especially, I'm not a female, um, but you know I, I am an ethnic minority. I think sometimes we. And, and I'll say we because I class myself as that. Um, we are a little bit scared to to kind of break the mold, if that makes mm. sense. That there is sometimes some hesitation. So if an organisation is being run by Dave, Steve, or X, you know, we 
if we want to fully immerse ourselves in the organization or, or kind of chip in with ideas or suggestions, I think sometimes because you, you see that the the hierarchy is such and, and you know, the board is, is made up of such, oh, there's no point in me saying anything. I'm never going to get listened to. I'm not never, you know. So I, I think it's a conscious effort from both sides, personally. Mm. Um, well, I liked FC's, FC's point towards the end of the interview about, you know, the countries that are coming out of coronavirus that happen to be doing well. You know, they've got le- female leaders in place mm. and the way they've gone about it, collaborative, decisive, uh, mm. hopeful, they've communicated, you know, they're nurturing, mm. they're bringing out the best and that there's that hopeful message. Um you know, and she does say it's not men versus women, but there are definite, there are men that can show what we would traditionally, uh, I suppose, categorize as, as feminine leadership qualities. Mm. But those qualities are the ones that seem to be doing well at, in this current crisis. And I imagine are doing well for organizations actually who are encouraging, who are, sorry, who are encountering the, 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 the lockdown and, and how we survive going forward. Um, and to your point, it's those organizations where someone someone like yourself and uh is, is is more likely to feel valued and more likely to feel engaged and therefore the whole organization moves forward at, at a more progressive and faster pace as a consequence yeah i mean 100 I, I would agree to her point as well because we, we were just having a conversation about new zealand obviously being run by a, a female uh, leader mm-hmm. um i think you also mentioned angela merkel um in the interview as well um things it, it, it's a weird one because the last few weeks all we've heard about is you know human the, the human touch is back the human element back is back that human nature can be seen again from people everyone showing love affection to the neighbor caring for one another families whatever i think if organizations also ran like that and and gave people that kind of platform to be fluid to be a lot more inclusive i think more more now than ever we are going to see people actually thrive within organizations and i think it it will come down from the leadership so a lot of organizations have had to start working from home at a drop of Mm -hmm. you know drop of a hat right if now organizations see that you know we can bring on um we can bring on talent that you know maybe mothers like schools off at the moment right so for example if someone says i've got you know young children i need to be at home in certain hours during the day i need to do certain things organizations will say well yeah of course we can bring you on and of course you can demand the same salary the same level as let's say a middle-aged man you know who's got his own family but still comes to work and does a nine-to-five in an office Mm. so i think these things will 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 help organization or should help organizations if they allow themselves to kind of know that you know this, this will work so again going back to the point those Dave and Steves or, or X, they need to be able to, I guess, just show a bit of vulnerability in, in their thought processes and, and be open to it. But if we look about, uh, look back to some of the more recent podcasts that we've had, when we've had kind of people like Audrey Pay and, and Holly Boothroyd and Sonia Barlow and uh, and Vanessa Madu, they are they are people who a younger generation coming into technology identify with, and therefore they're they're interested to engage with. So. If an organization isn't easy to identify with, and I suppose isn't inclusive, then it stands to reason that the people like that, who have those huge followings, 17,000 followers on on Instagram and huge kind of ability to influence and shape 
for the, for a, for a positive uh, in a positive way for a future generation, they're going to miss out on that and they're going to be left behind. So it just reinforces that idea that you you need to kind of be open, be transparent, and and show those kind of right those those leadership qualities that FC is talking about. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think it's gone a few years ago when you know diversity and inclusion. I'm talking from London's perspective or the city. You know, seven eight years ago when this started to become a, a thing with organisations. A lot of it was a, a, I'll be completely honest, a lot of it was a PR, you know, gig where mm-hmm. release a couple of things on your website, you know, a few pictures, let's do a diversity and inclusion day and that's it. No one talks about it. Now, you know, you can't get away with this whole PR stunt because you've got social media, because you've got people and influencers like you just mentioned and and, and the list can go on really. Um, oh, yeah. A lot of people see right through that and organizations will then start, you know, to, to really have an image in the community where you know they, they will be seen as someone that's not open to diversity and inclusion and therefore will have much less of a attraction when it comes to technology talent when it comes to you know decision makers that are looking to move when it comes to kind of people even even um you know those, those that are looking to invest in the organization you know mm-hmm. um they will they will look at a company and if they can't connect or if they can't feel like oh you know this person or this company or this organization has the same values as me why should i put x amount of you know billion dollars for a third round funding stage when i can go somewhere else so i I think i think we'll start restricting it but i hope that the leaders start seeing it like that so and it was a great interview to be fair because she obviously she gave her story um a little bit as well which was Mm. which always i think it always adds on to to why someone is passionate about diversity and inclusion well, look, we will take a quick break. Hefsi, uh, Equality Group, thanks for being our guest. When we come back, we'll have a very, very quick bit of technology news for you. Once a month, Tech Talks opens The Tuck Shop, a YouTube tech news roundup, which is kindly carried by Disruptive Live. Disruptive Live is the UK's first and only 24-7 TV channel for the technology industry. Stay up to date with all the latest industry news by following our regular talk shows broadcast live across the Disruptive Live website and social media channels. You can also catch Disruptive Live at some of the largest global technology events, broadcasting from London, Manchester, Singapore, Dubai, and many more. Welcome back to Tech Talks. Uh, How to Live Now is a new section on The Guardian. Everyone knows I'm a bit of a namby-pamby liberal, so I like to read The Guardian. Uh, But I thought this was quite interesting. How to Avoid Amazon, the definitive guide to online shopping without the retail titan. Do you know how much they are making in sales per second now, Akish? I don't know, but I can tell you it's probably more than they were about a month ago. 8,800 a second. What, what, dollars or pounds? Pounds. 8,800 pounds per second. Per second in sales. $11,000 a second. Yeah. So the site is experiencing an extended period of sales at the level usually reserved for a shopping frenzy of Black Friday with reports reports suggesting a surge reaching $11,000 a session. Its share price is booming. Uh, and Jeff Bezos is getting richer. So this article is all about sites that you can use uh, to avoid using Amazon, which I wish I'd, I'd known about earlier because uh, I spent 250 quid on Amazon this morning. Uh, to, just to be transparent, I bought a smart set of scales and a smart fitness tracker for my wife <laughs> uh, through Amazon. So hip, yeah. hypocrite entirely here. 
but um yeah there are some good sites out there that that is is, are worth looking at because um amazon aren't exactly whiter than white in a lot of regards and jeff bezos is very powerful and very rich he is very rich i think i've just done some some maths and i might be off it but Going back to, I, I did a, well, there, there was a question on a family quiz about seconds in a week. And I think I've just worked out that that's about £531 million a week. It's crazy. It's absolutely that, that, crazy. That's ridiculous money. Um, well, I'm, do you know what? Right. I, I get it. I get that people are trying to get a lot of things to, to basically bring their social life home. I, I think a lot of this money is on, Things like you said, fitness equipment, you know, stuff. Um, someone was telling me a few days ago that I think dumbbells now are, can't be found anywhere on, on Amazon. Or, or the earliest you can get a set of dumbbells is like the end of May or, or early June sort of thing. Ridiculous. Right? Um, so I, th- I think a lot of this is people are trying to bring their kind of external life or, or, or the life they lived outside of their house into their their home if that makes sense so mm. you know um the weather was lovely um you know all of what last two weeks really um so i i assume you know where you would take the kids to the pool that sort of thing hose pipes um baking goods you know so i i just think i think places like amazon where it's everything under one roof so it's not like other clothes retailers or mm. you know that sort of um where, where you have to go on separate websites and, and get this and then get that i think because it's all under one it's ideal. And, and I assume that the Amazon video, uh, it, you know, must be that that subscription must be through the roof now as well. Yeah, um, most likely, most likely. Yeah, because people have just need options now, you know. Yeah. So. And that is the point, you know, with certain clothing brands, I'm there's a bit of loyalty and you go on different sites, you know. My wife's on Reese. I like Reese as well. You're yeah. not going to get Reese's clothes on, on Amazon. But like yeah. you say, for, for a lot of of I suppose white label goods, then mm. you're just going to go to Amazon because it's all there in one place. You don't have to keep putting in your card details for different sites and remembering different passwords, etc. It's that whole yeah. convenience thing. But there is choice out there. I thought I'd mention it because it's a good article. I'm going to share it in the show notes. Uh, it lists a whole load of different sites that you can think of, from you know the humble Wilco through to kind of John Lewis, etc., and various other bits, you know, very.co.uk and whatever, depending on what it is that you're looking for. Um, and it, it's probably a good thing to try and share the money around so that we keep the high street going. So when lockdown lifts, some of these shops are still there to actually go into, should we want to? 100%. 100%. And I think, yeah, we we, we, we should try diversifying. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't have an Amazon account before lockdown, um, to, be, to be completely honest with you. I have one now, um, and I have ordered a few things um, from Amazon. But mm. I think it's it's we don't want to fall into a phase where people are suddenly we come out of lockdown and you the only thing we have is amazon yeah exactly exactly you you know you you still want to be able to go to the shops go to the high street or whatever and also at the same time i I saw an article on this uh, this morning actually about people getting themselves into financial difficulty over lockdown you know a lot of people are, are furloughed a lot of people have had to take some sort of cuts what you don't want to do is is suddenly your spending habits because they're so easy now and can be done whilst you're watching tv whilst you're making a cup of tea mm. you don't want to put yourself in in all that all that debt and money so just be careful guys um is, is what i would say but yeah ridiculous amounts and yeah let's, Absolutely. Uh, let, let's share the wealth i think Akish, thanks for joining me on today's show no problem at all no problem enjoy enjoy the rest of your monday obviously this is going out on tuesday but recording on yeah. monday so enjoy the rest of your monday and uh, we will speak to you later in the week take care